All right, welcome to episode 38 of the Unsupervised Learning Podcast. I'm Daniel Meisler, and we're jumping into the news. Michigan lawmakers want to give a life sentence to anyone doing car hacking. So uh, the question is whether or not that will apply to things like speeding up your turn signal or, you know, modifying the color of your lights or something. Uh, there's got to be some sort of logic to uh, what they determine to be car hacking, which, uh, of course, legislators don't have a good record of. So I'm a little worried about that. Seems like a lot worse things uh, that you could do to get a life sentence. But um, hopefully that will work out and not be too nasty. I mean, obviously, if it's like you take over, you know, 500,000 cars and smash them into each other and kill everyone on board. Uh, sure, let's call that car hacking and let's um, let's give them life sentence uh, or more. But uh, if you modify your car to do some weird thing or something, I don't think you should automatically get that. I think that's pretty obvious. So Swift is getting an update after the Bangladesh hack. It's basically a banking network um, technology and had a major flaw found by someone at Bay Systems. And uh, they're looking to do an update after that. NSA, according to a whistleblower, is so overwhelmed with data that it can no longer be effective. This is not surprising. It sounds like a large enterprise. FBI is now saying they don't know how the hack worked that uh, got the, uh, the information off the San Bernardino phone, which uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I guess it makes it slightly better. It's the reason they weren't turning over the information if this is still current and who knows because it's a fluid situation. But if they don't know how <laughs> they got the data off, then of course they can't share that with Apple. Still, the whole situation is a bit disturbing uh, for a number of different reasons. Just the fact that this vulnerability is out there and other people could potentially find it and use it, and it's not being uh, given to Apple to fix is is worrying. Uh, U.S. Cyber Command is hacking ISIS. So um, as part of their regular uh, kinetic campaigns, they're also doing... Um, what they're calling cyber bombing, or someone's calling it that, which shouldn't surprise anyone. Millions of Spotify credentials um, have been posted online. Spotify is saying they weren't hacked, that uh, those two things don't match each other. Uh, SAML assertion problem with O365 exposed a whole bunch of user accounts. So basically um, an issue with uh, SAML and specifically around the assertion um, allowed uh, someone, a researcher, to basically go and look at people's accounts and control their accounts. Uh, supposedly, this has already been addressed. San Francisco now has high, highest per capita property crime rate in the U.S. Not really infosec, but it is security. Basically, a law made it a misdemeanor, misdemeanor to do this kind of crime. Uh, plus, there's just lots of rich people smashed together with poor people in, in a very small, small space. So I'm imagining these are kind of the factors. Uh, Gartner says IoT security market will reach $840 million by 2020. I actually saw another uh, stat that gave uh, an earlier one from like 2017 or something. It was like 400 or 600 million or something like that. But it's... 
ramping up very quickly. So I summarized the Verizon DBIR report and a um, couple, of, couple of things that jumped out at me. 89% uh, of breaches had a financial or espionage motive. Um, less than a quarter of companies detected issues in a few days or less. Actually, the detection time went up over uh, the 2014 year, which is disturbing. Financial services was hit the most with data breaches, uh, with 795 breaches, followed by hospitality sector, followed by information sector, followed by public sector, followed by retail, and then healthcare. Uh, discovery times went up. I mentioned that. People doing phishing are usually organized crime, 89%, and state actors, 9%. 63% of data breaches involved weak default or stolen passwords. No surprise there for anyone who does testing. 90% of cyber espionage breaches um, or go after trade secrets or proprietary information. Makes sense. Um, so those are just a, a few of the highlights. I mean, I've got like 50 things that I extracted. I read the entire report and extracted it out. Link is on the website. Top web hacking techniques of um, 2015. This is put out by White Hat every year. Um, good, good report. Interesting reading. I'm not going to read any of them, but I've got the link here in the notes. GitHub dorking basically was used to hack um, some Slack accounts. Um, really, it's just an attack on Slack in general. Basically, there's a prefix of XOXB for some of the tokens that are used to access information in Slack channels. And uh, you can actually just Google for this. I'm not Google, but um, search within the search API for GitHub. And you find like tons of these tokens there. And then you just ride these tokens into accounts and extract information. And it could be like, you know, database information. It could be very sensitive stuff that a company is storing there. Uh, basically, these tokens link to what is is pasted into Slack, right? So it's a uh, big issue. Evidently, Slack has already addressed it and sort of gone searching for those tokens. And I think they disabled them. They might have done something in addition to that, but um, <clears throat> that's that's um, been addressed by them. But it's really interesting that I mean, you you have uh, here we are in 2016, and uh, dorking is is still working really well, which of course is just using a search engine to find certain tokens and then go and uh, see what they yield. Budget approval sought for training cybersecurity troops. So looking to spin up a whole bunch of people um, that's trying to go through Congress now. Um, Minecraft was hacked with 7 million passwords leaked. All bad news. So tech news, Nokia buys WeThings, Withings, no idea how to pronounce this word, for $320 million, roughly. I did the translation in my head from pounds, so... That's probably wrong. Who knows? Could have been euros. Either way, it's about $300 million. Driverless trucks are coming and will automate millions of jobs. Um, so advantages of automated trucks. These are like semis, uh, tractor trailers, that kind of thing. So they could drive nonstop. They can drive at optimum speeds, which is actually turns out to be like 45 miles per hour. 
But if you're a human, you don't drive that slow because you want to cover more ground. So it's, you know, incentivized in the wrong direction uh, away from safety. Um, and uh, it's also more safe because while doing the previous thing, which is trying to get there faster, uh, they sleep less and, of course, of course, crash, which will happen less with automated systems. So it's pretty much a no-win situation for humans. And since so many jobs are actually oriented around transportation, this is going to be a big uh, hit to the economy. And um, I'll be talking a lot more about this probably in separate dedicated episodes. But um, if you've never seen the the movie or, or little video presentation called Humans Need Not Apply, definitely want to check that out. Customer services is moving to text-based apps, which will eventually be voice-based. Um, this is interesting. We're going to talk about that in the concepts area. But basically, a lot of companies are building interfaces where you just text. You're basically talking to a human saying, hey, how do I get this? How do I do this refund? Do you have this thing in this color or whatever? And then it just responds back like a human and says, yeah, go do this. And this is like becoming the future of customer service. And what is it backed by? Artificial intelligence. So what do you need fewer of? Customer service representatives. So <laughs> fewer drivers, fewer people needed for transportation, fewer people needed for customer service. Those are only like two of the most important areas where people are employed in the country, right? Customer service and transportation, right? You, you take... Take those together and you're talking about a massive chunk of jobs. So it's not like this future thing, you know, uh, 20, years in, 20 years in the future, 50 years in the future, maybe we'll, computers will take some jobs. No, it's, it's happening right now and it's going to be nasty. Drones are the new UFOs. So evidently everyone's saying there's a UFO now. There's a really good answer. Um, no, it was just a drone. So... I don't know what that really means, but it's kind of interesting. Microsoft experimenting with DNA storage, promising something like 1 billion terabytes per gram. That's a lot. But uh, since it's DNA, I mean, is this still organic? I mean, do you still have decay? I mean, do you hit it with a light source and all the data is lost? Like, if you don't feed it, does it die? I'm wondering about backup strategies. I'm wondering about just atrophy and decay on it. Uh, how do you detect? Um, how do you detect errors? Like all, all these sorts of issues. Um, Ubuntu 16.10 will be called Yakety Yak. Interesting. Google rolling out IFTTT. If this, then that. Support on its OnHub router. So its OnHub router was like a cheap router it deployed uh, or put out there, and it basically didn't have great features or anything. Um, and people were kind of confused. They said they would release updates. It didn't really get updated that much um, until now. So they're ruling out this if this, then that uh, functionality. But hopefully there'll be more updates to it as well. Apple interview questions. So these are cool. Um, I'm a big fan of interview questions. I've done lots of hiring in the past. Uh, I've got my own list for InfoSec questions, but um, here's some of the questions that they have uh, supposedly within Apple for different kinds of jobs, right? Uh, I'm not going to read all of these. There's quite a few of them, but um, 
It's really interesting that they even exist, actually, because Google did the study showing that internally people who did well in these questions didn't actually do well in the company. There's very little correlation. In, in fact, maybe even a negative correlation. So it's like, why, why would you do this? But that being said, there's some of these that I, I really find interesting. Uh, so, for example, for an Apple Genius candidate, explain what RAM is to a five-year-old. Now that's not for a software engineer, or maybe it is, but for, for this particular thing, it says it's for a genius candidate. So you need to be able to explain things. So I think this is important that you understand that, you know, for different types of roles, you need to be able to explain different things. So you're saying explain what RAM is to a five-year-old. I was When I first read this in the car earlier, I'm like, oh, well, how would I do that? I think I came up with a good, good uh, sort of approach. And it, like I said, it would be useful for someone who has to explain hard things to people who don't normally understand them, also known as being an Apple genius or any other kind of basic tech support. So how does an, uh, how does an airplane wing work? Lead systems engineer candidate. I wonder if they would get this wrong uh, because they think it's the Bernoulli principle, which it's not. Anyway, I digress. Uh, give me five ways of measuring how much gasoline is in a car. I love this. See, here's the problem. People who fancy themselves as smart, or at least do in certain moods, they love these kinds of questions, right? Give me five ways of measuring. So I got one. The gas gauge. There's one. Um, another one. Weight. Um, another one. Um Let's see, um, you just extract all the gas and weigh the gas. So uh, the other weight one is like uh, weigh the car with no gas in it, weigh the car after the gas is in it, right? Like uh, all these sorts of things. And there are a bunch of trick questions. And this one, by the way, is a hardware engineering candidate. That's what that one was supposedly for. But I came up with, you know, six or so just off the top of my head. Um, Here's another one that's similar to that. If you have two eggs and you want to figure out what the highest floor from which you can drop the egg without breaking it, how would you do it? So I think they're saying, how do you test the first one? Because you only have the, the second one to do it with. Who knows what they're actually saying? This is a software engineer candidate. Um, my first thing is just get like 7,000 of the other eggs and just do a bunch of dropping. Um, which is, I guess, one possible answer, but who knows what the right answer is? Or there are probably several. <clears throat> but anyway, there's tons of them. Um, how do you break down the cost of this pen? That's for a global supply manager. I like the idea that they're oriented towards the role. Um, but I wonder if they've looked at the Google stuff that say people who answer this stuff well don't necessarily do well. Uh, anyway, pretty interesting. All right, let's see here. Miscellaneous news and articles. So this section is basically like I think I mentioned before. This is like stuff that's not necessarily tech, but it's kind of tech related, could be security related. Anyway, it's just interesting. It's geek stuff. Uh, mindfulness therapy works as well as antidepressant drugs, according to a massive study. Makes complete sense to me. I would add exercise to that. Uh, House panel votes to make women register for the draft. This is an interesting take on equality. Um, welcome to equality. Here's your gun. Uh, 
kind of jarring. McKinsey says investments won't do nearly as well over the next 20 years as the past generation. This is kind of interesting. It basically saying don't expect your 401k to take you the same way that it did in the past because you're not going to make as much money from it. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I wonder if it's going to move more people towards P2P sharing and alternative sort of investment strategies. Twitter should become the new Discuss. That's D-I-S-Q-U-S. Uh, this comment framework or, or product. Basically, why is everyone not doing this on Twitter? I guess is the kind of gist of the article. I think the answer is no one wants to hear random out of context conversations. So if, if I'm tweeting out my responses to multiple people on various topics and I'm tweeting those out, I mean, they're, they're, you'd have to fundamentally change the nature of Twitter for that not to become super annoying very quickly. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, it, I bas they're basically saying, look, t Twitter needs to do something, obviously, because they're not doing so well. So why not just become the, the comment framework or the discussion framework for blogs and if, for any online discussion? It's interesting. But like I said, they'd, ha they'd have to change the way they work. Comcast is buying DreamWorks for $3.8 billion. Interesting. Marissa Mayer, Meyer, not sure how to pronounce her name, gets $55 million to leave Yahoo. This is just, I don't know, it's insanity. Uh, you basically, I don't know if it could have been saved. I don't know if it's her fault that it didn't go well or whatever. I'm inclined to believe that it's not her fault because it couldn't be saved easily. It was a moonshot, basically, but moonshot with no technology. You have to use string and like gum or something. Um, but anyway, it, when it doesn't go well and it's not her fault, so what? It's not her fault. But she still got paid massive money. Like, how do you get $55 million to leave after it wasn't successful? Even if it wasn't your fault, you still don't, I don't know. Anyway, you get the point. Small number of atoms in the universe versus the large number of combinations in the universe. This is why I have this section. This is fascinating. All right, so check this out. So the number of observable, the number of atoms in the observable universe is only 10 to the 80th power. That is atoms, the number of atoms in the entire universe. Not counting dark matter, that's why they say observable. If dark matter exists, there could be more, obviously. But let's say everything we already know about that we can see, 10 to the 80. That you, uh, so four numbers, we are encapsulating this, this number here. 10 to the 80th power. Now, how many possible combinations are there on a go board? 10 to the 170, right? This, this is fascinating. So there are 90 more, 10 to the 90 more combinations on a go board than there are actual atoms in the observable universe. That's mind blowing. So here's kind of the takeaway from this. The number of things in the world, actual things, is an additive issue. While the number of combinations of things are, is multiplicative, right? I feel like I had too many syllables when I said that, but multiplicative, 
Anyway, so basically intuitions about these sizes of numbers are really bad. And that's why this is kind of mind-blowing. All right, why you can't lose weight by exercising. This, um, I'm, I'm sad to say that I only learned this probably five or ten years ago. But basically, if you eat like a crazy person, which I do, if you eat way too much, like say 4,000 calories a day, and if you, on a bad day, 5,000 calories, you can't go for a run and fix that. You can't work out and fix it. You can't do cardio and fix it. You can't do Pilates and fix it. That's not going to happen. Unless you are Michael Phelps, like dumping 12,000 calories into an Olympic pool, you are going to be a giant fat person, right? I'm like 275 right now. Uh, 277, actually, this morning. So that's that's from eating too much. And you can't exercise out of that. So if you want to exercise, it can make you more healthy. But if you want to lose weight, you have to control your caloric intake on a massive scale. Like I've got friends. I'm not going to say their names. They know who they are. But they're like, oh, yeah, I'm on a diet. Oh, really? You're on a diet. And they're like, well, I'm on this kind of diet. Oh, really? Cool. And then I just watch them like consume like 4,000 calories in like half an hour. And I'm like, what kind of diet are you on? Like, that's not going to help anything. And he's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm not dropping the weight. I do. I could tell you. Um, I think I just did, actually. Bottom line, caloric intake is how you reduce calories. Now, there's a whole bunch of nuance here. People react different to food. I'm also not an expert on nutrition, but here's what I do know. Lower the number of calories that you consume by like half, okay, if, you're, if you consume way, way too much. And again, like it's easy to find out like what is safe and what is not. So if you already consume 200 calories a day, don't bring it down to 100 on my account. But if you bring your calories down, it, for me, if, for example, I'm 275 pounds. If I went down to 20 or 2,000 calories a, a day, or 2200 or whatever, like I would lose a shit ton of weight and it would be fast, right? Now, I should be exercising as well, and that, but that's only a few hundred calories depending on, you know, what you do. Um, exercise brings health in other ways, but don't think that it fixes eating 5,000 calories a day. All right. Teen birth rates way down, especially among Hispanics and blacks, like 50% down, like massive numbers. And the article, by the way, all these things that I'm mentioning, most of them have links that are in the notes. I'm putting the notes below all the text, by the way. So it's easier, easier to read the text without all the dumb URLs in, next to them. So um, if you do visit the site just to get links or whatever, they're all at the bottom. But um, this is a New York Times article talking about this. Um, the rates among uh, Hispanics and blacks down somewhere around 50% uh, since 1999. Just dramatic improvement. Lots of factors listed there. Better education, access to contraception, all those sorts of things. Happiness genes located in largest study of its kind. So basically they found a whole bunch of genes. Um, I'm about to do my full genome, by the way. I don't know if anyone else is going to do that. I wonder, like, if you could take your full genome and actually put it on, uh, 
put it on like Ancestry.com or whatever. I need to figure out who can do metrics on that kind of stuff and give you back good data. But the way I feel is that you, basically this new research becomes filters. Once you have your genome in, you just apply the filter to your genome. And it, as long as it knows how to do the mapping, you just keep learning about yourself as time goes on, as the research gets better, because your genome's not changing. So I just need to find a platform that allows me to do that. If you guys have any ideas, just let me know on the Twitters or emails or whatever. Um, Amazon shares go up sharply due to fourth profitable quarter. So Amazon's long been known as the company who doesn't make money because they put all their money back into the business. But for four straight quarters, they've been showing a profit. So stock is going up as a result. Very exciting. Um, I love their, their uh, I won't say her name because she'll try to talk to me, but that um, starts with an A, rhymes with, Never mind. I'm not going to mess with it. All right. Universe likely littered with dead civilizations. So basically, this uh, team of researchers went and uh, dug deeper into the Drake equation, which is a calculation for how many alien civilizations are likely to exist in the universe. And they basically figured out that a lot of them are going to get to a certain stage and die. And they basically did a bunch of calculations on those numbers. Pretty fascinating stuff. Got the link in the notes. Psychopathic tendencies associated with creativity. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you look at depressed people. You look at, um, and I'm not sure that, I, I haven't read the full article, so I'm not sure if that crosses into unhappy and depressed, but obviously it does. You have the Hemingway sort of effect. Um, anyway, you, you, mental sort of strife is associated with uh, creativity. This is pretty well known. This one is spe uh, specifically talking about psychopaths. I just read a book called Wisdom of the Psychopath. And I did a full dump of it actually on my slash reading uh, website slash reading. I've got a list of books that I've read and I've parsed them, uh, done summaries for them. Really fascinating stuff coming out of the psychopaths. Um, and the idea there is of course to Figure out what you can harvest from them <laughs> uh, without the stabby stuff. You know, less stabby, more art. Um, that's my policy. All right, exploring ideas. AI assistants are the future of computer interaction. So I'm going to do a full episode on this at some point, but um, th this is going back to that text thing, all right? So basically, Artificial intelligence is, is going to be the way that we interact with the world. It is going to be the broker between us and computers. That, that is my belief. I'm, I'm writing this book right now. It's called Future. Um, I'm, I'm two or three chapters in right now. Um, I'm hoping to have, actually have it done like within a month. I'm, I'm just being crazy about this book. Like I'm just going to write chapters. Like tonight I'm going to write another one or two chapters. The chapters are super short. It's going to be like, I don't know, 20 chapters or so, but they're going to be super short. You can read it in one sitting, easy. Um, maybe two sittings, it depends, but it's going to be very short. I'm going to publish this thing like immediately, like within a month or two months. And if I don't, I want people to email me when I talk about the fact that I'm still writing it 
just be like, WTF, you said you were writing this thing. You said it would be two months. Get off your ass and finish it. Like, I want drama if I do not finish this thing because... Anyway, I'm going to be talking about this stuff hardcore in this book. I've got a chapter dedicated just to this topic on AI. Um, the bottom line is that AI can consume information about the world for us, have that information available. It can monitor our state, know if we're tired, know if we're about to ask a question. It can know all sorts of stuff about us because we're all rigged up with Apple Watches and and Fitbits and everything. So it knows our state. It could hear someone ask us a question, provide an answer right into our ear. Like this is not future tech. This is coming pretty soon tech, right? That That is the nature of, of this situation, right? And when we talk about AI, it doesn't need to be damn Cyberdyne system fucking uh, Schwarzenegger. Sorry about cussing. I'm allowed to cuss on my own podcast, um, but in case someone uh, got a number of friends who um, are Christian, so apologize. I get excited. I cuss sometimes. But anyway, it doesn't need to be the super advanced, scary AI where the singularity happens and it's self-aware and all this crap. When I talk about AI, I'm talking about the functionality of AI, the ability to for it to convince us that it is AI and that, that or that it is the ability for it to mimic a human in its effectiveness at accomplishing tasks. Like you could just send it any request and it's as effective as a, as an amazing, highly paid super assistant. So you're like, Hey, get me more information on this. Um, find out everything you could tell me about getting um, a genome analyzed and constant updates on the web. Like if I could say that and it brings me back amazing answers, that's AI. I don't care if it is not self-aware yet or whatever. So just think of functionality as opposed to whether or not it's actually just a bunch of tricks. Because uh, by the way, I just wrote a post on this as well. Our own consciousness, our own intelligence is also just a bag of tricks. Um, and that's Daniel Dennett's term, by the way. But it doesn't matter. That we will be interacting with computers through AI, whether we're texting it, whether we're talking to it, it will be in our ear and it will be parsing the world for us and, and informing us, telling us what to do. Um, I got a whole bunch of other use cases. They're too exciting. I don't want to go into them now because I want it to be part of the book. But um, yeah, just just fascinating stuff. Can't wait to tell you more about it. Um all right, where are we? Um, next one, two things as the basis for human happiness, giving love and adding value. So I've, I've been searching for like, you know, I like to summarize stuff. So I've been searching for the best answer for what to do for human happiness, not because I'm searching for myself, which I, I do sometimes I think about it, but not really. I'm generally a pretty happy person. But what I'm looking for is how to summarize this, how to encapsulate it for people who are looking. Um, Scott Adams did a podcast with, um, I don't know if it was Tim Ferriss or if it was Sam Harris, but um, those almost rhyme. That's kind of weird. 
one syllable than two. Um, so he, he uh, basically came out, Scott Adams, and he's the author of Dilbert, by the way, and a bunch of other cool books like God's Debris and stuff like that. You should definitely check out his writing. But he said the answer is adding value. Now, I've already knew from multiple other locations that the answer is giving love. I think these two combined are kind of the penultimate answer. You find a way to give love to the world. And of course, you receive love back as well. Appreciation, thanks, and all these sorts of things, which should not be the focus of your attention. Your focus of your attention should be to give those to others. The others sort of just, they're, they're just uh, byproducts. But once you're engaged in that, and this was kind of the whole Buddha thing, once you're engaged in that by itself, like you could just have a happy life just by giving love, right? But you do that, you go along that route and sort of just have that life and you could be happy. Or you could just provide value. You know, you're, um, you're, you're building products, you're, you're um, writing books, you're, you're a teacher, right? You, you're, you're providing value to the world, you're improving people's lives, you're making lives easier, whatever you're doing, people will just have a life just based on that. If you do some combination of these, ideally both, but maybe one, uh, you know, 90-10 or 80-20 or whatever, one and the other, or the other and one, that is the answer in my mind currently, as of this podcast. A weasel shuts down CERN. So, um, this is the largest particle accelerator in the world. Uh, I believe it's Switzerland. A weasel gets inside the thing and messes, uh, shuts down the whole place. Reminds me of a bug in the system, right? Bugs in software. This is why I have this in the exploring ideas section. One thing that blows my mind about this is when we used to talk about bugs, the, the first bug was an actual bug that flew into this giant metal mechanical contraption, which was, uh, was it the Babbage machine? I'm confused right now. I, I think it was the Babbage machine, Charles Babbage. Um, although I think it might've been a, a woman who found it or maybe even built the machine. I'm, I'm not clear in the history right now. I can't remember the details, but it was basically a functioning system. It was working exactly how it was supposed to. And it was about to put, you know, presumably about to put out a, a good answer, a correct answer, according to how it was built. And a bug, obviously from the outside, flew into this thing and messed it up. And then they're like, oh, well, it's got a bug in the system. Well, now we use this as an example of why something went wrong. Well, what happened? Oh, it didn't give me the right output. Like, this is in the wrong format. This is ASCII. It's supposed to be in whatever. Or, um, you know, it's printing backwards. Or this is a number and it's supposed to be, you know, a string. And, uh, and then you're like, well, it's got a bug. No, no, it does not have a bug. We, we changed the game somehow, right? Before, it was a bug flew into the system from the outside, but the system was working. If you get a number back when you're supposed to get a string, it's because you programmed it wrong. There's nothing flew into your code and broke it. Like you programmed it incorrectly. So I find it a little bit strange that it used to be that it was the bug's fault, but now it's our fault. But we still call them bugs. Um, all right. 
So that's that one. Uh, InfoSec tools can see. So this is our section about various tools on GitHub and lots of other different places. Um, and we took talk about new tools uh, and a lot of them aren't new. They're just kind of come across my uh, visor for whatever, for whatever reason. This one is called can see first three letters C A N are capitalized because it's talking about um, the bus. So um, auto intrusion detection system is to be rele released at HITB security conference next month. It's called CAN-C. So it's an IDS for the CAN bus. Very cool. JPEXS, um, JPEXS, JPEX. Not sure how to pronounce that. Doesn't matter. JPEXS, all capitalized, for de uh, decompiling flash apps. Very cool. I used to use like Flasm or the HP tool, but um, this is another tool for doing it. Evidently very good. Search Diggity is a tool for doing Google dorking, which as I talked about earlier, still works. Scrape It is a Node.js scraping app, um, which uh, we all know and love scraping apps. SCADA CIP is a uh, discovery tool. It actually finds vulnerabilities according to this uh, CIP standard, which is for uh, critical infrastructure protection. InfoSec papers section. How to execute modern incident response. Now, people like to give Gartner a lot of shit. Um, some reasons are good. Some reasons are bad. Um, I won't go into that, but... Uh, Bottom line is that they do put out good stuff. And this paper right here, how to execute modern incident response is phenomenal. Um, so a few things they talk about. So I, kind of their summary, IR is one of the most cost-effective things you could do. It merges technical and non-technical resources. People who hunt have a better chance of finding things. That makes sense to me. Uh, start with a good definition. Use technology to increase visibility. They're talking about like SEM and, you know, various uh, endpoint detection and stuff like that. Nurture relationships to avoid silos. You can't do good IR if you're fighting with everyone. They don't want to cooperate. And move from an incident sort of point in time type thing to a continuous IR uh, by assuming that you're already compromised. And then try to re reduce these three gaps, detection, triage, and remediation. The paper is quite long. It is so detailed. Like it could be a book almost by itself. I, I, I think it really could be uh, with maybe a little more depth on a couple of areas. But I mean, this is how books should be. It should be short like this and crisp. Um, it, just a phenomenal paper. I mean, to me, it proves uh, Gartner's value j just by them putting out stuff like this. Announcements, um, I will be presenting at Black Hat Arsenal Vegas this year, um, speaking at Source Boston on the Karma Risk Rating Methodology, and I just bought my first DerbyCon ticket uh, earlier today. It sold out like an hour after that, so um, DerbyCon continues to be super popular, um, and I'm going this year. I don't know if I'll go every year, um, but I'm definitely going this year, so excited about that. It's in Kentucky, not excited about that. All right. Summary and recommendations. Learn from the NSA. 
Sometimes there is such a thing as too much data or too much analysis. Figure out what you can process before you spin up more data collection. So I've talked about this with numerous customers who are trying to build a risk assessment framework. And they're basically like, oh, I'm going to assess all the things, right? I'm going to figure out every possible thing about every application, about every operating system. I'm going to make a giant checklist. And I'm like, cool, well, how many people you got? Oh, it's just me and this other guy. He does a part-time. It's like, cool. Well, you might do one application, you know, every six months or whatever. Um, how many applications you got? Uh, 6,000. Well, cool. I think you might need to trim this down some, right? And it seems like the NSA is kind of doing the same thing. They're just like collect all the things, unencrypt all the things or whatever. And it's just not scalable. You, you basically figure out what your resources are. This applies to so many things. Figure out what your resources are. Build your methodology to match the flow that that group can handle. When you get more people, increase the depth of the methodology. This is what you have to do. Now, if you have technology levers that allow you to see more or do more, that's fine. But do not overwhelm your analysis force. All right. If you have issues with depression, I suggest looking to exercise and mindfulness. Powerful combination. Um, like I said, I personally, I don't uh, have this issue. Um, I do get down sometimes. Like I get sort of... Uh, I feel less motivated. And um, I actually wrote a post about this. Um, it, it's not sadness. I get bothered because I don't feel like I'm accomplishing enough. And I'm just like, all right, we need to lock this down. And I did a post on this uh, just recently. It was basically about like what you can do if you're not feeling motivated or whatever. Um, and it was like, it, I don't remember the list. I don't have it in front of me. But it was something like um, diet, sleep exercise, music was like an extra one that I added. Um, and also consuming content, right? Consuming really, really good content. So books and, you know, high, high quality reading. Um, it could, could not be reading, but usually it is. Um, I feel like I'm missing one, but I have a post there somewhere. It's recent. And basically, if you do this, um, it's, it's mostly exercise for me and diet. Like if I just eat a little bit less and I eat a higher quality food, I get plenty of sleep and I exercise in the morning every day, which now I do anyway. I have a morning routine on GitHub and I do this. My stuff just automatically fixes. Like I automatically have too many ideas. I automatically have tons of energy. Like it just goes away. Um, but I know other people have more serious issues and I'm not claiming that this just solves more serious issues because one, I don't know shit about that. Like I'm not an expert, but two, um, it, not everything works for everyone. Right. So, but what I do know is I have read tons of studies on the fact that exercise and now mindfulness, according to that study I talked about earlier exercise combined with mindfulness and you add all the other ones, you add the diet and the sleep. Okay. This is likely to massively help you. I would recommend that even though I'm, you know, not a professional at this, I would recommend this just based on all the stuff that I've researched and you sort you need to do it just on blind faith because when I'm in this situation uh, for the issues that I have sometimes, 
you know, every couple of years or whatever. Um, I, I don't believe it's going to work. I just do it because I know it'll work. And then when it does work, I'm, I'm not surprised, but it, at the moment that you're thinking about it, um, you know, you, you don't necessarily believe it. So, um, watch for messaging apps to become the next big thing, uh, followed by being controlled by AI and voice. If you're not following L2 Inc, that thing I told you about, you definitely want to do that. Uh, inspiration. So this is a new section and I'm doing quotes here. Basically, uh, might be some other things, but mostly quotes. Here's a quote from Hemingway. The best way to find out if you can trust somebody is to trust them. The best revenge is to be unlike him who performed the injury by Marcus Aurelius. In any moment of decision, the best thing you could do is the right thing. The next best thing you could do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you could do is nothing. And that was Roosevelt. All right. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Uh, if you like the show, please uh, give me a rating on iTunes, share it on social media, tell your friends, whatever. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. See ya.